I want to tell you why I love this book so much. Because as you say, it is a book of the collective. This is not your voice. Yes! It's over (laughs) 5,000 voices of children and adults you've collected since 1978. I am over the top honored and excited to have PMH Atwater with me. PMH became one of the original in the field of near-death studies. Her work covers nearly 5,000 adult and child experiencers. Um, When you're working with children, your eyes can never be above theirs. Ever, 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 never. Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and the profound wisdom of our young. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Hello, this is Marla Hughes with Interviews with Innocence. Today, I am over-the-top honored and excited to have PMH Atwater with me. PMH has had three near-death experiences within three months in 1977. This turned her life around completely. The following year, she turned to research because of what she was told to do during her third episode and became one of the original in, original in the field of near-death studies and completed 18 books on the subject. Some of her findings have been verified in clinical settings, among them the prospective study done in Holland and published in Lancet Medical Journal. To date, her work covers nearly 5,000 adult and child experiencers. She has won many awards and traveled the world, always inviting people to look past appearance for the truth that underlies what we think we know. Her latest work, The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact, challenges the entire field and changes the conversation about life and death, reincarnation, and the life continuum. Because of this book, she went on to write six children's books called The Animal Light Series, available on Amazon, and in fun and joy, these books about animal babies help human children remember their own birth and beyond. Welcome, PMH. Well, hi there. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing fine. Great, great. <laughs> it's so exciting to have you. And I, I must tell you, I immediately ordered these. Um, I could only actually find one I could actually order, but the Animal Babies books. I want to talk about that at the end, end of the interview, but I'm so... That, There's one particular book that has all six in it. Oh, okay. So okay, great. Yeah. Right, right. But I have one here and I just, oh my gosh, it's just, it's Don't just you love beautiful. It? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm so excited. 18 books and, um, I do want to have you back to talk about Forever Angels, your most recent book. However, sure. Hey, I really want to talk about the book, Dying to Know You, Proof of God in the Near-Death Experience. And I, I want to explore children, of course. That's what this, this interview is all about. You've done so much amazing, amazing work with children. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about, about 
how the children experience um, the different, as they, they talk about the different lights when they come to you um, during their experience. And before I say this, I want to tell you why I love this book so much. Because as you say, it is a book of the collective. This is not your right. voice. Yes, this, yes. It's over <laughs> 5,000 voices of children and adults you've collected since 1978, sharing their near-death experiences. And I love it when you say you found they want to shout to the world after this happens all about their experience. So anyway, tell us a little bit, a little bit about the lights and being bathed in the light and the stories that you, that you get. Well, first of all, I want to say that I call Dying to Know You the people's book. Yes. Because it's a summary of their words, their wisdom, their experience. Yes, I've got a couple of, of research cases in there. Yes, I've got a little bit of other research in there. But, but mostly, almost it, the whole book is the people. And I, you know, I, I'm just so thrilled to be able to say that. This is the people. Yes. And there's no other book like that, like this out there. If you're going to talk about lights, I'd like to give you a comparison. Uh, the average ad adult <clears throat> describes this light as brighter than 10,000 suns. Instantly you're fried, but there's no pain. Children... Talk about the light in a very, very different way. With children, it's like there's three different lights. And sometimes a child will just have one of them, maybe two, maybe all three. Um, the first one I would call very raw and very powerful. And, and just it's just a huge, huge giant light that just sort of gulps you down yes and then there's this this black or dark light and the kids sometimes say it has purple tinges to it and then there's this white light or bright light that sometimes has silver and gold in it and, and that 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 raw piercing light it's just so full of power and then there's that dark or black light and there's just something so cuddly and comfortable and cozy and and warm and good about that light and then that bright light well you know that's the light that that talks to you and and you can talk to that light that light and it, it knows all about you so <laughs> the kids are so precious when they when they when they interpret this and say well <laughs> that right. powerful light that's god's light and that black or dark light that's mother light and that really brighter white light that talks to you that's father light but you know the mother light and the father light they come from god's light wow and the children are so specific about that yeah. you know it's just like oh Dear, yeah. and you say, and you say in your book also that sometimes they even question. They'll question the, the light, or, well, that, or, or they'll question who they see in the yes. light or in the dark. 
it's like um, adults will sometimes see uh, different kinds of beings, but a child, uh, you know, different sexes, different kinds of beings, on and on and on, but a child will almost always see a father figure of some kind. Mm -hmm. This is not true with adults, but it is true with children. To, to a child, God is a father figure. But invariably, these little kids <laughs> will go up to this father figure and say, is this what you really look like? <laughs> and instantly, that father figure just transforms into this humongous, giant light. Wow. It's not a being anymore. It's a light. You know, and and the kids, you know, they'll they'll challenge angels too. You know, <laughs> is this what you really look like? And the angels too will poof into a in a into a being of light or a light ball of some uh, a light ball of some kind. You know, it's just like you know that light to them is. It, it, it's sort of representative of, or truly is, that energy or that beingness itself. And it doesn't really have to have a form. Right. And children often see animals. They often see birds. Lots and lots and lots of birds. Um, if it's an older child, like three or four or five or six, um, they'll comment on, you know, maybe it's that they, what they see is their pet who had died and gone on before them. The pet will come back, even if it's a turtle, you know, the pet, the pet will come back and especially dogs and cats they usually see the smaller animals. Adults, for some reason, will see the larger animals. They'll, they'll see pets who come back also. but And birds. Adults and children both see lots and lots of birds. Mm. I don't know why they do. Right. But adults will usually see adults or these higher beings where a child, you know, they just get right down to business. <laughs> Right. That nose of their favorite dog. <laughs> right. What is, what is the demeanor of the children when they talk about these experiences? Oh, they, they, they're sort of like me right now. They just yeah. sort of start talking, you know? And they're just, you know, they're just, oh, they're in such awe. Yes. You know, and, and they just talk about it as if this is, this is what what would happen? And why can't you know? And why can't you remember? Right. Why are you asking me all these questions, you silly adult? <laughs> <laughs> you ought to know this. Yeah. You know, wake so, up. So how important it is for us to validate and, as you say, to listen really carefully because they have so much to tell us and we can learn so much from them. Well, you know, when, when you're interviewing children, um. If they are, let's see, how would I explain this? 
if they don't come quite up to your eye level, then you've got to bend. You've got to shrink. If, if you're, let's say you're interviewing or talking with a child who's three or four or five, you're on the floor. Yeah. You're on your belly with the kid on their belly. Um, when you're working with children, your eyes can never be above theirs. Ever, 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 never. So the average uh, minister or the average adult or the average a doctor, they always have their eyes above them. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very careful about that because the child then will tend to please the adult. And you have to watch their language. Whenever I work with the children, I ask all adults to leave the room. Yeah, yeah. just me yeah. and the kid. Um, because I know how to talk with them. Right. But if you've got a minister, or, you know, or even the parents, even in the same room, the child will tend to um, um, uh, describe things in terms that the adult will like or want or um, expect to hear. That makes that makes sense. Well, you you say in your book, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I've learned to listen very carefully to children, even the very youngest. What may seem like imagination often is not. With little ones, what they talk about can be quite real. Don't dismiss them. Just dismiss them just because they use phrases you may not be familiar with. And don't twist their stories around to validate how you see things. And you go on to say... I did listen deeply and long and discovered in doing so that to a child, truth with a capital T covers smaller ground and is more silly put than what adult might. To honor this, well, you go on to offer, it's the summary of some of the comments that the children have learned from their near-death experiences. So why don't we just jump right right into that? Let's do, I'm taking off my glasses so that I can read from my little book here because th- this is so exciting to me. I just love it. Uh, this is, it must have been just so magical talking to these <laughs> children. I mean, it's just oh my gosh, just spin. Uh, you just let them spin and they will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the children speaking. There is no afterlife. Just an ongoing life stream. We leave and return to as we take part in different experiences. God exists. It doesn't matter what God is called. God is still God. And we are each part of God always. We only think we can be separated from God. Really, we can't. We each have a purpose in a larger plan. And we are important to that plan. We each have a job to do, large or small, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you know what your job is. If you follow your heart and pray about it, you'll be shown or nudged in the right direction. Worship is important. So is an altar of some kind in your home or in your bedroom. And whatever is on your altar is holy. Church is important, too, 
some kind of church or place of worship, inside or outside, forest or big building, because church is God's house. Church shouldn't put people down. Everyone has the right to ask questions and want to know more. If a church doesn't let people do this, then it isn't God's house anymore. Prayer is powerful. You can see it and feel it. Prayer power travels in beams. And when a a prayer beam hits you, you feel warm and good all over. Nice. Food tastes better if you say grace before you eat and have candles and flowers on the table. Most foods are okay to eat, but you need to ask the food first if it wants to be in your tummy. (laughs) Sometimes the food says no. If you would listen better, you would feel better. We, We should listen more to our body too. It tells us more than our head does sometimes. Mm-hmm. Animals are our friends. They help us learn, learn to share and to give. Rocks are our friends too. And so are fish and water and plants and all kinds of things. Everything is alive. That's why we need to respect our world. We need to respect each other too, even babies who aren't born yet. You don't need a body to see, hear, think, feel, touch, smell, and know things. All that stuff is easy to do without a body. The only reason anybody needs a body is to grow. You can't grow if you don't have one. (laughs) That's what makes a body important. And you need to take care of what you have or it can't take care of you. We have families. We have the families we have because we need them. Sometimes we choose our family and sometimes we get, uh, we get what we get because it's our assignment and we get brownie points for saying yes. <laughs> Other times we're just booted in because it's our turn. <laughs> Interesting. Mistakes can be corrected. We're never stuck. We just forget how the the plan works until something happens to help us remember. We all know more than we think we do. That's one of those things we need to remember. Life can get pretty scary. Getting in touch with the love that is inside of us can make the scary things go away. If that doesn't work, get help. None of us ask for help like we should. We think we can do everything by ourselves, but we can't. There are always helpers around to help us to pitch in. Some wear bodies and some don't. Work is important, so is learning. It's okay to buy things that earn money, but what's really special is helping someone, lending a hand, doing chores, cleaning things, making a home, being a friend, getting ready for tomorrow, expressing love, forgiving people. What we do for others matters more than what we do for ourselves. And you can't laugh enough. 
and play and create things and sing and write poems and scrunch up your nose so your face tickles. Always be loyal and truthful. Lying hurts you or someone else sooner or later. Wow, those are so. Be- Let's go ahead. And I have so many other questions. <laughs> I, yeah, you've got to read the last one. The last one is so. They're all so profound. But- oh, we are stuffed full of love because God is. So everything. So is everything else. It's a wonder how many people forget that, and they forget about having a soul. We each have one. That's our perfect part. Our soul makes certain. We remember who we are mm-hmm. so we can always make our way back to the life stream, our homey home, no matter how far from it we travel. Wow. Oh, I, I want very much to read this because yes. it's so important. <clears throat> Everything is made of light. Mm. Spirit is, spirit is what holds light together. So it can become shapes and forms. Spirit is everywhere like air and it breathes, but not like our nose does. That means everything breathes. I do, you do, so does God. God's breath is what keeps the universe alive. Mm. I think that's so important. Oh, so important. Wow. And and you talk about the main questions when when these experiences happen and they're who did you love and who did you serve? And you talk in the book about how children say follow your heart or talk a little yeah. bit about that, how the children answer that. Well, they don't necessarily have a game plan. Yes, yes. They're not necessarily told this is what you have to do. Um, adults often get that kind of verbiage, but kids seldom, if ever, do. So a child's idea of, of what they need to do, what they're created to do, why they're here is that idea of follow what feels right to you. (laughs) Follow what is warm. Follow follow your nose. Yes. Your nose will lead you there. Your feelings, your intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. I I love when you say... When you return from death or near death, a new commandment courses throughout your veins and in rhythm with your heartbeat. Love one another. And having a love for others meant having love for myself also, all of me. Such a beautiful message for all of us. Wow. So these children... They come back from this experience, and I'm so glad you said that about the breathing because that was the question I was going to ask you. And I know in some of your other books, um, you've talked a little bit how they they come back changed, as do adults, but they come back different after somewhat 
even charmed, it seems, sometimes. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, some of the traits the children have when they, you know, as, as they get a bit older, without totally going into forever angels? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that little morning there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's of a. the children come back fully engulfed in what happened to them, what they feel, what they saw, who they talked with, what they learned. And it's really a challenge to be back with mom and dad, brother and sister, back in school, the school kids, and realize that these other people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so that can be a puzzle for children. Um, how can I handle what people call life when I'm full of life? Right, and love. And I was in life, and I'm still in life, and I'm full of life. How can I wiggle into what we call the world around us? Mm. Without losing all that light. Remembering. Yeah. Um, one of the things I would love to talk about is, is, is something that happened. I'm, I want to get this straight, so I'm going to go back to that page. I'm going to flip back there. Yes. I hope very quickly. Um, this happened in 2011. December, uh, I found out about it in, in December 19, 2011, but it was May 22nd, 2011. It was in Joplin, Missouri, and they were hit by a tornado so disastrous that, that it nearly wiped the thriving city off the map. Can you imagine Joplin, Missouri? It was almost wiped off the map wow and it, it was a you know um what do they call it a five plus any anyway it was just this huge huge tornado and uh, todd frankel who was a writer for the st louis post dispatch is the one who got a hold of me by phone because he knew I'd done a lot of work with children, especially children who are dying or, you know, this kind of thing, a lot of uh, near-death work. And he was so puzzled by the children of Joplin, Missouri, because they kept talking about the butterfly people. And, and everybody in town was puzzled. And sometimes the older kids would use things like angels, but not the little ones. They talked about the butterfly people. And, and here in this horrendously awful, awful world and things flying everywhere, th these kids would be in their car with their parents and, and, and the butterfly people would be holding the handle of the car so that the tornado could not suck them out of the car. And the kids everywhere were talking about the butterfly people. Um, <laughs> and I said, you know, 
in, in my background in working with child experiencers of, of near-death states, what impressed me, what is, impresses me still, is the number of such sightings and that none of the smaller children ever used the term angel. This is significant and alerted me at the time to the genuineness of the phenomenon. Children, child experiencers never say angel mm. unless previously exposed to the term. So little ones using a term like butterfly makes perfect sense. And the kids later on would draw pictures of butterflies all over the buildings in town or, or, or the, you know, the signs or anything that fell over. They were drawing these butterflies. Amazing. Butterflies. These little butterfly people would come down and save them. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yes. That, that's such a beautiful story. Wow. I wonder if that little town remembers if they they talk about that or if they they've cel- they celebrated in some way. You know, it's <laughs> be well, interesting. You know, it, it went on to be celebrated very much so. Yeah, drawings on buildings, and there was a, a specific little girl. She was six years old. Her name was Ari Hallmark, and she lost her mom and dad, and her grandma and her grandfather. And another cousin Ugh. that were sucked up in this tornado. And what what saved her were these butterfly people mm. that pulled her back. And she wound up alone in a, 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 a big field when it was over. And of course, everybody's very, very concerned about her. Because she lost five members of her family. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, they're just gone. But the interesting thing is, Marla, Ari knew two months before it happened, she was told in a dream that, that she would lose all these five people. So for that two months, she never told him, but for those two months, she enjoyed them as much as she could because she knew she would never see them again. Wow. Isn't well, she, she would see them again, but <laughs> oh, yeah, not, I mean, not on this bald. earthly realm. Right, right. And, and her dad was bald at the time. When, when she got up in the, in the cone of the tornado, her dad had hair. So she actually went up, but then she, she was saved. along with... Her parents in the funnel. It was the butterfly people who pulled her back. Wow! Wow! Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. She wrote a little. She wrote a wonderful little book about it. Um, it's called "To Heaven After the Storm." Ah, uh, I will so have to get that. Get that little book. It's it's a, it's precious. I have a copy. Amazing. <laughs> of course, I have a copy. <laughs> of course, you do. <laughs> so, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, prayer, meditation, and visualization. And it's so you say that um, these are the things that helps our soul. It keeps us on track. The quickest way to access our soul is through prayer and meditation. Think spiritual. So um, I want to talk a bit 
about what what you feel like these little ones have, that have been through these experiences and just little ones in general, how we can help them remember these experiences or we can celebrate, you know, for the ones that have not had NDEs. Yes. Yeah. Ask questions. Let them talk. Right. That that's the biggest mistake adults make is trying to walk on tiptoes and be very, very careful when a child doesn't want to be careful. Yes. They want to talk. Let them talk. Let them pray their way. May not be your way. May not be any kind of prayer you ever heard. (laughs) Yes. But let them pray. And, you know, with kids, they love saying grace at meals. You know, (laughs) how many people today, how many families today say grace at meals? Kids want to say grace at meals. They want flowers on the table or they want candles on the table. They want some kind of centerpiece. Doesn't matter what it is, just some kind of centipede. <laughs> and when they're saying prayers, they want to be able to um, have any kind of prayer they want to pray. You know, if, if, if they say a funny kind of prayer, let them say that prayer. That's what they want to say. Right. And um, it's, it's just so important. For a child to be able to hold hands and to be able to be free in the prayers they say. Right. All children, not just children who've had these experiences. Right. But all yes, children. All, all children. And, and especially for all children, but especially near-death kids, they want an altar in their bedroom. Oh, Wow. Wake up, mom and dad. Even if it's just a special cloth they put on a TV tray or maybe something on top a dresser. And maybe they put their favorite pictures up there or drawing of what they think God is or Jesus is. Yeah. Or maybe just fruit, maybe just flowers. But that's their altar. Yeah. And that's where they pray. Let your children have altars. Right. And, you know, it, that brings up a question I meant to ask earlier. Do the children, while you were reading the stories, you know, there was a lot of um, reference to God and to Jesus. And the, were, um, are these kids um, usually from a religious family? No. <laughs> yeah, no. that's what I thought. No, 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 no. Right. You know, uh, I, I'm going to skip skip a little bit here, but but it fits. Um, in my book, the Forever Angels. Of course, that's a major study. And among the 397 people involved in that study, all child experiencers, and they're from all over the world. Three of them were born into voodoo families. All they ever practiced was voodoo. They never heard G-O-D, God. They never heard of the Bible. Never heard of Jesus. None of that. Never heard of any of that. And they had a near-death experience and all, as a child. 
between birth and the age of five, so they were very small, and each one of those three were visited by Jesus. They knew his name, and they called him by name. Go figure. Wow. I I can't, you know, as a researcher... I can't handle that. What do you do? <laughs> what do you, you, these are voodoo people. Yeah. I've never heard of Jesus. Right. Well, I think no matter how many stories we hear, it's still just astonishing. All <laughs> <laughs> things astonishing. Yeah, yeah. So what have been the greatest lessons that you've been given by the very young in your research? To be able to accept them on their level. And to realize the absolute truth of what they say. Yes. I don't care what they say. To respect and honor whatever it is they are saying. Beautiful. Adults very often get into judgment. Especially if they are um, belong to a certain denomination and they feel everything should be a certain way, don't put that on a child. Mm-hmm. Allow the child to be a child. Right. And I you, think that's, that's so, so important. Yeah. So what has your research, this is such a uh, kind of a loaded question because I know the, I know that we all, we all know the answer. No, but what, what has um, this and you being an experiencer? I mean, that's a whole nother, a whole nother story. Three three times. Yes. I look back and I call it the heavenly sledgehammer effect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we, we do need to talk about that in another, another interview. Um, what, what's it taught you about eternity, that life never ends, but there's a beautiful continuation, and we'll go home to our real home, and it just, it helps me to be at ease no matter where I am, Yeah. no matter what the conditions are. I have traveled the world. I've been in places that were really scary. I've been in alleys. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a walker. I'm an explorer. I'm out there. I'm not someone going to sit on my fannies. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's not me. I'm going to be out the door. And I'm, I'm going to be walking with the people. And I'm going to be in the alleys. And I'm going to be in their churches. And I'm going to be in their homes. And I'm going to be talking to all kinds of people. Uh, lots of people say that's very dangerous to heck with. It. I don't do anything that I don't have a feeling I can do. If if I have a feeling not to go, I won't go. But if I have a feeling I'm okay, I'll even be in an alley at in in the dark. Right. In Seoul, South Korea. And I was. Um so I've learned to trust that sense that I'm okay. No matter where I am and the conditions, I'm okay. Right. And if I don't feel okay, 
I'm out of there. Yeah. Trusting your inner guidance. Yeah. Yeah. And the same with people. Right. Which children are so good at, by the way. Oh, yeah. They can, they can, they can, can, I mean, they just know (laughs) right away. (laughs) Down and they got it. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, sort of like an animal in that regard. Yeah. You know, a little dog or a little cat. They right. know. It is as you. That's, that's a very good example. Anyway. Right. They right. have those feelings that are right on. Well, we need to wrap it up. And oh, I'm really? Going, really? I know, I know. <laughs> well, we're going, we're going to do this. Well, I need to ask you. I want to ask you, will you come back and talk about Forever Angels? Sure, I'll come back again and again. Great, great. And I want to talk about the um, children of the fifth dimension. I am so excited about that and how it relates to forever angels. That's a lot of people call them millennials. Yes, yes. Yeah, our two kids are different. I know. Very much like the near death kids from what you say. Yeah, I can't wait to explore that. So, what would you say to your five year old self if you had the opportunity? What what, what would I say? What would you say to your five year old self? Enjoy the life you are about to have. I know it's going to be terrible and horrible and frightening and scary and confusing. And I know there's going to be beautiful parts and pretty parts. And there's just going to be joy and wonder. Enjoy it all. Mm. Because this is what you came here for. Enjoy the trip. Beautiful. Beautiful. So PMH, if people want to learn more about you and find you um where can they do that www.pmhatwater.com wonderful now pmhatwater.com and i do produce a free monthly newsletter i warn you it's only for the curious (laughs) so you can get onto my website scoot over to the newsletter and uh, there's an archive there, so you can go back in the archive and kind of check it out because some people don't like it. It's only curious. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I think I think I can say that my listeners are very curious. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I can't wait until next time. You betcha. Okay, you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed today's episode and want to continue your journey, please subscribe to my podcast on your favorite platform. It helps us reach more people with these valuable conversations. Also, head over to my new website at marleyhughes.com and sign up for our newsletter for even more exciting adventures.